This is Hitting the Mark. I'm the Mark, Jeffrey Mark, and I'm here with my great friends Ray Carr and Cindy Verbal. Can, can you share a story with us that nobody else knows about Harvey? All right. I don't think people know that Harvey and Tim had a big falling out. They had been touring for years, doing a two-man show with a couple of minor comedy assistants to help with the sketch. And it was very successful. But Tim kept chiding Harvey. If they did, if they did a uh, interview promoting it, Tim would eat away at Harvey. He would say stuff under his breath. He would intimate that he's more of the show than Harvey is. Uh, maybe it was funny in the beginning. It really began to eat at Harvey. Uh, Tim took credit for writing everything when it wasn't necessarily so. In Tim's view, it was the Tim Conway show with Harvey Corbin. In Tim's mind, he had replaced Carol Burnett and Harvey was his second banana. But that's mm -hmm. not how the show was put together. It was two equals who had been second bananas going out and doing a show. It aided him and aided him and aided him. And then there was a financial problem between them. Harvey was not getting paid what he was supposed to. There was some mismanagement of funds. And Harvey more or less told him where to get off. And Tim hired uh, Chuck McCann to replace Harvey. And it was terrible without, without Harvey. In it. I saw the show without Harvey. In it. it was terrible, terrible. Not funny at all. Uh, which tells you how much Harvey did contribute. But as, as, as much as we all remember the two of them laughing together and working together, it didn't end well. It ended with, with them not speaking. Uh, and then at the end of, Tim, of Harvey's life, Harvey began to have mental problems because of the disease he was developing uh, that caused him to be a little irrational and a little overexcited sometimes. And uh, Harvey had to with withdraw from the public eye. So I don't think people understood that uh, Tim and Harvey were not best buddies. It, it was a working relationship. It was good for their well, pocketbooks, it was good for their stardom, but it was not Lucy and Ethel time. I was about to say it's not Abbott and Costello, it's not Dean and Jerry, but it was because these comedy teams don't last because of egos, right. because of spending too much time together and you get sick of each other. The smallest little things become overinflated and then you have everybody has their own manager and their own agent and everybody's agent and manager wants more money and bigger billing and people get pulled apart. But I think that's something people don't know. It was very sad to watch the uncrumbling of this. And uh, well, what can you do? Everything's got a shelf life, and e even the great, um, you know, musicians or everybody's got a shelf life. And comedy, it seems like there's a period of time that you can go, and if you go beyond a, you know, five years, you're lucky. If you go beyond ten, you're luckier. But eventually, everybody, like you say, they get their own ideas. You know, they, they want their own thing. When I was writing my second book about Ella Fitzgerald, somebody said this to me, and I believe it was uh, 
one of the ladies from, from Manhattan Transfer, I don't remember which one said this. They're both incredible performers and lovely women. But it's like, you know, year after year after year after year, Ella was recording albums over, you know, many, 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 many years until the last one came out in 1990. But how many songs does this woman have in her? How many different songs can one sing and interpret really well? How many different songs can one sing and bring something new to the plate? Seemingly, Ella had an inexhaustible, but it wasn't inexhaustible. And there came a point where she was repeating herself and she was re-recording things and it wasn't new. It was the same vocal line with different musicians. And I think the same thing is true of comedy. There does come a point when you begin repeating yourself. Carol did it, Harvey did it, I guess after a while. It's, it's why people ask me over and over, how come Lucille Ball's later shows weren't as funny? Well, because that Lucy character could only do so many things before they begin repeating themselves. And she was older and there were different writers and different co-stars and different directors. But the character itself, how many new things can Lucy, the character, do unless you write her to become a little old lady, which she would never allow, and let her age, let the character age properly. But the, the Lucy character, no matter how old Miss Ball was, they never seemed to allow her to get past the age of like 60, but a spry 60, but there were no new stories to tell. And I, I think that's true with comedians. Uh, unless you're working from a script, unless you are an actor who does comedy, then new writers, new characters, new situations. But if you're a sketch comedian uh, or you're doing live stuff or you're doing the same material over and over, after a while, it just the, the, the patina wears off for everybody. How many books can I write before I begin repeating phrases or begin repeating ideas? Uh, our show has an unlimited shelf life because each show is different depending on who I'm speaking of and the kind of questions you guys come up with. But if I were just giving a lecture every week, sooner or later I'd get boring. There is now a moment for all of you to say, oh no, Jeffrey Mark, you'd never be boring. Okay, out there, I heard you. Jeffrey, Thank you. the word is soporific. <laughs> you would never be soporific. Thank you, sir, I appreciate it. You wouldn't be either. What about, I thought about this with Harvey and I just dawned on me, he would have been a good game show host. Harvey could play a game show host with all of the funny nuances that the lesser successful hosts had. Being over the top, being unctuous, being saccharine, being uh, superficial and a little slimy. And there were people out there, the one everybody points to is Burt Parks. Mm. Some of you may remember him. Yeah. The early game show host was like, hey, here we are, and we're playing a game, and now we're having fun. Oh yeah, here we are. Uh, unctuous is the best word I can think of. I don't know that Harvey could play Harvey that well. Harvey had to play a character. To be a great game show host. You have to have intelligence, wit, be very comfortable in your own skin, and be able to be a version of you. 
Alex Trebek, Alan Ludden, Bill Cohen, um, Bud Collier, the Tom best Kennedy. Ones. Tom Kennedy. Or Fleming, yeah. Because if you're not yourself, if you can't be some version of yourself, your discomfort will come across to the audience. And it, it upsets the game. Oh, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch him be uncomfortable. I don't want to see him sweating through this. I want to see this guy or this woman come out and be smooth and charming and affable and have fun with me. Yeah. That's, That's why, why Bill Cullen is the most successful one because show after show after show, no matter what the show was, Bill brought himself to the microphone and could find the fun in it. I don't know that Harvey could have done that. I think it would have been a little outside of his comfort zone to be Harvey Corman and be funny. Hmm. He could be, I think he could probably be most like Gary Moore. The difference between Harvey Corman and Gary Moore. For those of you out there who don't know what we're talking about, Gary <laughs> Moore got started in show business on the radio in his native Baltimore. And Jimmy Durante, who in his time was one of the top entertainers in the country, tapped Gary to be his sidekick on his radio show for years and years. And when they parted company, Gary went into television and he had his own daytime talk show thing, the Gary Moore show. And he was the original host of I've Got a Secret from 1952 to 1964. Then he hosted To Tell the Truth from 1969 until he got throat cancer in 1977. And uh, Gary was wonderful because he was a broadcaster. See, that's the other thing game show hosts need to be a broadcaster, somebody who can look in the camera and just talk. Bob Barker, broadcasters. So Gary was a sketch comedian. He could sing and dance a little bit, but he was a wonderful straight man. He knew how to do sketches and he was a broadcaster. He could announce a show. He could play it straight. That's a, a different set of muscles again. Harvey was this brilliant, really brilliant comedy talent, but Harvey wasn't a broadcaster. Hmm. We should, I wish I had known Gary more. I'd love to do a show about Gary yeah. and talk about how wonderful he was. Because if there is one show business career I, I would have won, maybe wanted to model myself after, it was the career Gary Moore had on radio and television. It's unmatched. Constant work for, for, for 28 years. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Very talented. Well, you know, Harvey Corman will, um, you know, do you think there'll ever be a, a nice documentary put together about him? It would be nice well, for people to, younger people to see it. Christopher has written a book about growing up with Harvey. So if you want some insider stories, Christopher Corman's book is available on Amazon.com. Uh, Chris and I have talked about a documentary. The problem is that those of you who are tuning in our show every week, you have an interest in this part of show business, or you wouldn't be listening in to us. But the vast majority of folks out there, they don't even remember who Harvey Corman is anymore. It's like I have been asked over and over, who would you like to write a book about? If you could write a book about anybody, well, there's never been a good book written about Dinah Shore. Mm -hmm. The problem is 
six people would read it because nobody remembers who Dinah Shore is anymore. As big a star as she is. I know, not typical. Cindy, you're not a typical anything. You are, <laughs> you are an original, Cindy, all by yourself. But Dinah was an enormous Emmy-winning television star who has been forgotten. Mm -hmm. uh, and Harvey has not been forgotten. But documentaries cost money to make. And to make a good documentary, you need talking heads. Well, Carol, I don't know that Carol would be available for that. She might. She's a lovely woman. I adore Carol. She's very, very, very good to me. But I don't know that she would do something on Harvey's behalf. There's Vicky, but Danny Kay is dead. Joyce Van Patten is in her 90s. I don't know if she's even available to be seen anymore. Lyle Wagner is gone. Tim Conway is gone. Um, a lot of Harvey's friends from the Army's Army have gone now. Uh, so the combination of money and just having the people available, I don't know if it could be done. If it is, but a lot of times they take clips of people that are gone when they were talking about them and drop them into things like that. There isn't a lot on Harvey, and what is there is not necessarily positive or answer the questions I'd like to have answered. All I can say is, if someday a documentary is made about Harvey, I would love to be a part of it, either as one of the producers or one of the writers and one of the talking heads, because I loved Harvey Coleman. Mm -hmm. Very interesting stuff today, Jeffrey. I, I thoroughly learned so, quite a bit, and I enjoyed every moment of it. Mm -hmm. I always love being here with you. So next time on Hitting the Mark, the mark we're going to hit is a double play. We're going to talk about Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet, not only about their lives, not only about their work, but how they affected my family personally. So don't miss inside stories about the incredible Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. Until next time, this is Jeffrey Mark and Ray Carver, and Cindy Ribelin. God bless, and have a happy.